our value is non-negotiable. It's limitless. It isn't something that could be easily quantified by money. You're listening to Investing for Good, a show that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. And now, here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, Julie, what's up? What's going on, Annie? How you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm excited about our conversation today with Lisa Peterson. Lisa is a business expert, money coach, and founder of The Wealth Clinic, a global community that helps people integrate their whole self into their relationship with money. And that money relationship, I think, is something that so many people carry around with them. And often they don't even think about it. You know, like I was brought up, my mom has always been a saver. She's like, that's the one thing she taught me was save, save, save. And my dad was always a gambler. He would take any earnings to the casino and just gamble it away. And so I grew up with this really conflicted relationship with money. And I think a lot of people have, you know, they've picked up bits and pieces here here and there from mentors, from coaches, from parents, from family members and friends about how to deal with money or not deal with money. And I love that Lisa has created this system, this process for helping people to unpack that and really figure out how to move forward. Yeah. So she goes in and she talks about this eight-step process that she has her clients go through when she starts working with them at the Wealth Clinic. And I just think it's such a I, I'm such a process-oriented person, so when somebody has a process for me to go through, I get, like, really excited because I'm just like, oh, yay. Like, it's not just like, here's the goal, and we're going to get you there somehow, some way, but we actually have, like, steps that we're going to go through to get you to where you're trying to go. Um, and so I we go into detail and we talk about what those steps are and, you know, what the outcome is and all of that. And so uh, it's such a good episode and just filled with so much uh, valuable information in terms of of how your relationship with money affects the decisions that you make too. So um, yeah, really great one. Yeah, you're going to love this episode with Lisa. So much good, juicy, hearty content. So enjoy this episode with Lisa Peterson. Lisa, how are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. Good. Well, I know that you and your husband reached financial independence after having it as a goal for many years and that you've now taught thousands, I can't believe it, thousands of people about meditation and money mindfulness practices. But before we dive into all that, I wanted to dial it back a little bit. I wanted to start with what you did before you created the Wealth Clinic, which is basically helping people manage their money in one form or another, right? So for over 25 years, you worked in financial services as a financial advisor, a mortgage banker, an underwriter, and a business development banking executive, which sounds really fancy. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, so for this part, maybe, maybe it's just me, but when I think of banking and mortgages and financial services, mindfulness and meditation aren't exactly the first things that pop 
in my mind. You know, I'm mostly thinking about, you know, how stressed all of that makes me and how I'm going to pull all my hair out just thinking about it. So, you know, did this come about because you were always the most Zen person in all of your financial <laughs> meetings? Or how did you get to that intersection of money and mindfulness? Great question. I definitely was not the most mindful person. And we typically go after the things that we need for ourselves, right? So I got my MBA in the early 90s and decided that I wanted to go into finance. I kind of took a meandering path in the 90s, but ultimately was working in a pretty intense job, traveling all the time, doing really big deals between the bank that I was working for and other uh, institutions that were interested in small businesses. And had one of those experiences in life that changed everything. And, and unfortunately, my father was brutally murdered in 1999. And when that happened, I was in the middle of a really big deal, negotiating a deal between the bank I worked with and another company. And kid you not, like I was in shock. And at the same time, I was so used to being responsible and keeping everything going. I literally collapsed on the inside, kept everything going on the outside. I didn't go to his funeral. I didn't deal with any of it. I let my brother deal with all of it because I was so in the mindset that in order to get where I had gotten coming, I came from nothing. My, my parents had you know, barely finished high school. We struggled with money throughout my childhood. I had reached this epitome of this career. And it was like, I felt bad, but I was in such denial of everything that I was like, I'm just going to keep doing my deal and keep going. And, and in all fairness, I think part of me also knew that I was in serious trouble. And that began the journey of looking inside and, and starting to meditate, which was, you know, 20 years ago. But that was the catalyst, unfortunately, just this total, like, I don't know how to help myself. I'm going to keep doing all the things I know about money. And I'm going to keep supporting my family and taking care of, you know, my husband and my daughter at the time. But on the inside, it, it pretty much was a mess. My gosh, of course, I can't even imagine. And, you know, is that what led you to, because I know through the Wealth Clinic, you talk to people about the difference between sort of creating this harmony between inner and outer wealth. And was that something that you were experiencing during that time? Was this reconciliation of the two? Yeah, it would take me many years to be able to bring the mindfulness into the finance. And that really didn't totally happen until five and a half years ago when I started my company. What I did, though, is I sort of compartmentalized my life. And I started teaching meditation and getting involved in my inner journey. And I kept it completely separate from my corporate and financial career. So, so it began me learning about it and learning about the changes. And then I started witnessing what happens when we become a meditator is we start having the ability where there's a split second in between our seeing something and then our response to it. I was a big reactor before I got into meditation. So I would react at work. I would react at home. I would react. And all of a sudden, as I started to meditate, I became more of a witness to like what's going on in the world, what's happening here, how do I really want to respond to the situations, which is a huge valuable resource that actually helped me in my career, you know, a lot because I became a better manager, I became a better, um, ultimately, you know, went into mortgage banking, and, and I was really good at that. 
But the more I witnessed as a mortgage banker, and, and I made that big switch from being at the top of the corporate pyramid, because the, the more I meditated, the more I saw that I was not a good fit for the corporate environment and that the drama would like suck me in and I wasn't good at it. So I switched into more of a, a sales job which is what mortgage banking was and underwriting, and then ultimately into financial advising. But all along the way, the closer I got to the customer, the closer I saw that people and their relationship with money was in many cases even worse than I saw mine being. Mine being, I thought if I had lots of money, I would be happy and everything would be fine. And other people had that one, but there was a whole bunch of other beliefs that I would start bumping up against as I helped people to achieve their financial goals. And that was the big light bulb kind of moment over and over and over again, that there weren't a lot of tools for myself or for other people to help them reconcile and streamline and align their values as a person with their relationship with money. And that became mm. work. What were some of the other beliefs that people have about money? Yeah, there's so many. I mean, one of them, which bumps up against what probably you guys are helping people move through is this idea that you have to work really, really hard for your money, right? And then when something goes wrong with money, it doesn't go the way you want, it's not heading in the right direction, then there's a complete going into resistance. So what I saw is, as a mortgage banker, when people wouldn't get the loan approved or something was going poorly and not the way they wanted, they became like kind of crazy. You know, they wouldn't stop calling you and they would kind of become rude and, and send you irritating emails. And I just saw people change right before my eyes based on what was working and what wasn't. And I'm sure you guys have seen this too. Like money brings these kind of this uh, shadow side of people to the surface that they don't even realize is there. Hopefully it's only going to show itself for a short period of time. And then what I saw would it would go back and then it's like, everything's fine. But in my mind, I'm like, everybody seems to have these sort of shadows that are just waiting to come out. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see that happen very frequently in our business. I work with investors all the time on the phone, through email and all of that. And when things, you know, start to go wrong or things aren't going the way that they want them to, whether it's something very small as in how often or how much you're communicating or something like that, like, because we work in the money-related industry, people can get very irrational over very petty things. It's, it's really interesting to watch. So tell us about how do, you, how do you help people within the wealth clinic? How do you help people, well, first of all, recognize these things, right? And then second of all, how do you help them use these limiting beliefs or these beliefs that they have to you know, work for them instead of work against them? Yeah. So the biggest thing to think about kind of as I dive into this is that traditional financial services, they have an assumption, the way that they provide their products and services is that everyone already has a healthy relationship with money and that you know what to do and here's what you do. Mm -hmm. So I don't make assumptions about anyone. I know that a lot of people don't have healthy relationships with money and may or may not know that. Mm -hmm. And what I found and what I highlight in my book is I realized that there were some people who literally saw money as a tool, as a resource, and that's it. And the majority of us have been wrapped up in money being a reflection in some way, shape, or form of our self-value. 
Mm-hmm. And the minute that happens, and it's not your fault, you know, if you're listening to this conversation, you're like, oh crap, like just to be clear, it's not your fault. It's that we live in a society that has literally taught us to believe that external circumstances decide our external value. Mm-hmm. Money being one, but it could also be relationships. It could also be what college did you graduate from, your level of intelligence. Like the list is exhausting. We've been told our value as human beings is in relationship to how much we have of something. And yeah. It's just not true. Our value is non-negotiable. It's limitless. It isn't something that could be easily quantified by money. But just because we logically can say that's true, what, what I do is I teach people about what's going on under the surface so that they can start to see money as a tool, as a resource, and get rid of all the, the noise and the deception and the negative self-talk that's running in the background that can actually cause us to engage in self-sabotaging behavior, cause us to make choices that we later regret. So I'm looking more at the psychology behind this, the, the scenes so that by the time somebody's kind of gone through this process, when they show up and they start working with a financial product, they know that they are going to be much more conscious of what's happening and how they can make better decisions that help themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when you are teaching folks to use money as a tool and as a resource, what do you find for these folks that is there? What is the tool for? What is the resource for? Like, what is their end goal? What are what are a lot of folks trying to get to? Do they even know? Um, is that even a process in itself? Like, trying to discover what do I really want money to do for me? What do I want it to serve? You know, how do I want it to serve me? Is that something that you work with your clients on? Is that something that comes up frequently? Totally. What is that? You're you're on the right track. Like, you're saying all the things that we work on. But mm-hmm. what I will also say is. A lot of us don't actually know what we really, really, really want because that stuff that I'm talking about actually serves as a blinder, as a veil. It's like conditioned into us to think that we should want something. But in reality, if we really checked in, it doesn't bring us the happiness we seek. So I'd love to have people think about what they want and then begin the journey of looking inside, looking at the beliefs they're holding on to, looking at some of these backstories and the narratives that they're holding on to as truth, question their assumptions about those beliefs, let them go. And then when they come out of it, then they're in a much better position of saying, this is what I really want. Mm -hmm. So when we move into the phase, and a lot of my work is in phases because I've created like a process that I want people to go through to get the full benefit of it. It's like a little bit past halfway point is when we're like, what are we going to give ourselves permission to create? Mm -hmm. And now how does that tie into a holistic financial plan, which is not just about the money. It's about the whole entire life. How do all the pieces fit together so that when I do make decisions, I'm not just making it in an isolated vacuum that, oh, I have enough money to do this, therefore I'm going to do it. I'm looking at the whole picture of where I want to go and how my money becomes a tool to facilitate that objective rather than it being about, oh, was I a good person or not? Did I do the right thing or not? It's like, no, money becomes literally a resource like a brick that you're building a building with. It's just one of the bricks that you put in place to help you. You know, I like to think of it as having a super strong foundation Mm -hmm. and then you build on that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Does that answer your question? Oh yeah. No, yeah, that definitely does. Yeah. And that seems like such a complex web, right? I think most people don't even know where to start. I think people hearing this will probably think, oh yeah, money is a tool, but then they have no idea how to get from where they are to even recognize all the beliefs that they're holding on to, to get to a point where they can really see money as a tool. So that seems like a really long and complex process. Is that why you bring the mindfulness in to help with that? Yeah. And it's great that you're saying this because I think that you know, we've taken a lot of time. I'm 50, almost 53. I've taken 53 years to get here. And the idea that I'm just going to go change my life in one year and be thinking differently and having everything different, that's not reasonable. Mindfulness is so critical because I think we need ourselves wherever we're at. We take stock of what we want to achieve. And then we pick a few things. And that's really like for the Mindful Millionaire book that won't come out till June of next year. But what I tried to do was give people a process that they could do on their own by returning to it again and again, because each time you read it and you dive into this, this process that I'm alluding to, you learn new things about yourself. You see that there's new opportunities and that it doesn't, after you do it a few times, you're like, wow, this really isn't all that complicated. Like moving through belief systems isn't that hard. However, because it's new to our consciousness throughout the world, and many of us who are teachers are trying to simplify it and make it so that people can do it themselves. They don't necessarily have to go hire somebody to have them, you know, spend three years as a coach. My goal was how can we make it more accessible to people? And then they can live their lives and do a little bit at a time. <laughs> so, t- so this process, tell us more about that. I, I, I circled that. I'm taking notes. I'm like the process, yeah. the process. I'm sure anyone who's <laughs> listening is like, tell me more about this. I mean, I'm sure we don't have enough time in, on this yeah. podcast today to really dig deep into that. But if you were to give us, you know, the five minute process, what would that look like? Yeah. So there's eight steps to the process and I'll just go through them really briefly. And then if they want to come and hang out with me and and some of the community that I've built, then they'll learn more. But uh, the first step is intention. So that's like, what do you want, right? What do you, why are you here? What are you looking to shift in your relationship with money? Mm -hmm. Number two is pattern. What are the patterns I'm doing over and over again with money that are not bringing me the results I want? So it's like, awareness, right? This is the issue. The third part is reclaiming your feelings. What I have found is the reason we don't break our cycle with money is we have turned off the ability to feel the pain and the sorrow and the sadness that often is wrapped up in our money relationship. And so once we know the pattern, we move into like, what's going on for me? How do I feel about this? How do I feel about these things that have caused the beliefs to be where they are? Then we move into, and and this spells out, I prosper, just so you know. So it's I-P-R-O is opportunity. This is when we're like, what are my opportunities? Like, where do I want to take my life? Where do I want to take my finances? It's kind of a precursor to the next step, which is story. I have a money story that I am living, and I think it's real and true, and I'm very attached to my story. And what I found is that as people take more of a witness look at like, oh, look at that story. Maybe that isn't the story I want to be living anymore. And I teach people how to use the hero's journey to understand what's happened in the past and how to break the cycle so that they can create a new story for themselves going forward. So that's mm-hmm. S. 
The next P is possibility, permission. It's a couple P's, but mostly permission. We'll talk about that, I think, a little more before we wrap up. But how can you give yourself permission to move into this new chapter? You might know what you want, but you got to own it and claim it and take a stake for it, right? The next one is evidence. Evidence is all about the financial planning. Like it's actually towards the end of the process. Like what does your financial house look like? And I use the chakras. This is all based on a chakra system where each of these stages are related to one of the seven major chakras. And evidence is like the brow chakra. It's like, let's bring everything together and create a great solid plan, much different than what we create when we work with a financial advisor. This is very holistic. Then the last part is reinvention, like reinvent your life, reinvent the things that you want to do differently going forward. And again, it's like the goal setting and habits and all that good stuff. So that's the process. I love all of that. That's so, so powerful because I feel like a lot of our investors that we work with could really benefit from this, right? Annie, I mean, we, we mm-hmm. talk about this all the time because we have these great opportunities, but you have someone who's all the way on this other side of the bridge. We always talk about this analogy of like this, you know, bridge between us. And, and I feel like moving through a process like this would really help people to understand whether or not an investment like ours, the ones that we do, is even right for them, right? And I think this yeah. is what people even struggle with, that hesitation, that sense of, I don't know, is this the right person? Is this even what I want? Is this what I want to do? Does this align with my goals? What are my goals? Like, there's so many questions that people have. And I think that there so, would be so much benefit in folks running through something like this prior to coming to talk to us because the last thing we want is to have people in our deals that it's not a good fit for, right? And so the work that you're doing, I think is so powerful because it'll really ensure that people are getting into the types of opportunities that are a good fit for them. And for, and really taking a hard look at that, I think is so important. My idea behind the whole thing is that I wanted the process to work for people no matter where they find themselves with money. People who have not been able to even have like their basic needs taken care of all the way up to people more like myself where you know self-made multimillionaire I've gone from nothing to creating it for myself all of us have places that we could grow, evolve, create more peace, more joy, more freedom, um, not just in our financial freedom, but also in our life freedom, right? So the goal was have something that could fit people wherever they're at. We'll get back to our conversation with Lisa Peterson in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. 
we could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now back to our chat with Lisa Peterson. You've now worked with thousands of people, which is just incredible. You've created this really strong community. So, you know, what, what kinds of changes have you seen in people's lives as a result of going through this iProsper system? Yeah, so many cool stories. A lot of times people, first of all, they're just really honest about by the time they reach me, they're like, this is where I'm at. So I get to see the inside look of what's happening. Situations of paying off, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt in a very short amount of time um, where they couldn't do that before. You know, a lot of people are business owners that I work with. And so people go from being in business for many years and just kind of getting by, but not having the kind of profitability in their business that they want. And so by applying this process, they go on and they send me a letter, you know, or an email and a year later, and it's like, I want to show you what's happened. Like I've tripled my revenue for my business. I'm making more money than ever before. And it's so easy compared to what it was like before. So it's different for everybody, but you know, those are some of the situations that I see starting businesses, leaving paid jobs because they want more freedom. You know, that's another big leap. I mean, in many ways, it seems like your personal journey and transformation is very much in line with the transformation that you're seeing in the clients that you're working with, right? I mean, for years, you were just going through kind of mindlessly, you know, working up your way up the ladder. You had this tragic incident with your father that you didn't even, you know, you weren't able to deal with at the time. And then you just kept going, going, going. And then at one point, you had this aha moment where you started to bring in mindfulness into your life. And now look at you. I mean, you've created this whole brand and this whole community of people and are really bringing awareness around the world to people and their relationship with money, which in many ways, I assume is what your clients are seeing as they take the time to really digest their thoughts, behaviors, and feelings, and really come to terms with that. Then they're able to really clear the path for their true potential. Yeah. The thing I think I get so excited about is hope. You know, when people haven't felt hope around money and then all of a sudden they're in a class or in a coaching group or something and they're like, I see how I could become a millionaire someday. Like I've never, ever in my wildest imagination thought it was possible. And now I'm like, I have hope for myself. And I'm just like, totally beside myself because I'm like, everyone should have that feeling. And I teach that it's not just about how many zeros you have in your net worth. It's about 
feeling like a million bucks. It's like feeling that you can do whatever you set your mind to because that's the priceless goal that I think all of us want because money can come and go. And many of us have felt that we've gotten those phone calls or investment didn't work out or something didn't you know turn out the way we thought. But when you know you can create it again and again and again, because your, your power is limitless, like that's priceless. It's priceless. And I think particularly for women to have that inside of them and have that live within them for the rest of their lives. Because it's just like you said, things are going to go up, things are going to go down and things aren't always going to be smooth. So to be able to have this understanding and this belief inside of you that no matter what happens, you're going to know, you know, that how, how to get out of it and have the hope that you're going to be able to, to do well. Um, and I love that we work with so many women and that's something that we, you know, love is inspiring women and empowering women when it comes to money. And so I love that that's a focus for you. Um, so thank you for the work that you do. Yeah. Thank you. So uh, let's talk a little bit about permission because you've brought that up a couple of times now. And for me in my life, it's been something that I didn't always know that I needed, you know, and I met a friend or, you know, I met a coach or I met a business partner or, you know, whatever the situation was that almost said, it's okay, Julie, like you can do this. And it was just like this, oh my goodness, like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> wow, like I can, thank you. I needed that. And I, and I just wouldn't do X, whatever it was until that person like gave me that permission. And it, it was just like game changing for me. And so talk to me about that because I, I'm curious to know more about how, what your thoughts are around permission um, and, and how you talk to your clients about that. Yeah, it's great. I feel like a lot of people need to hear this over and over again. And some of us are really good at giving ourselves permission for small steps. Yeah. But I think the bigger we decide that you know, we want to be or show up in the world or the bigger leaps that we want to take, the harder it gets to, to find the permission to even do that. And so no matter where you're at, I think that oftentimes when we notice that we've got a dream, but we haven't gotten an action plan, we haven't done anything to bring it into reality, there's probably a permission thing going on where we see it, but we don't know how to get there. And it's as simple as that. It's like bringing it into our awareness and saying, you know, you've been thinking about this for a while, but is it something that you're really ready to claim to give yourself permission to see if you have to clear and get permission from other people? Cause sometimes we do when we're married, you know, to my, like my husband, like, I'd love to say, you know, I give myself permission and I just ignore what he, you know, thinks or wants, but I've been together with him for a long time, which means I also know that he's got to be part of that permission process at some level, right? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, not as much in my business, but when we're deciding if we're going to add another Airbnb to the, you know, list or I buy a commercial building and I'm like, you're fine. You're, you know, he's going to do everything with it. And yet I'm like, I've given myself permission, but yeah, you know, like, so there's ways it can show up, but the realization is really just that. It's like, if you are struggling with giving yourself permission, figure out what are the obstacles and literally take them down one by one 
and also notice that sometimes we want things, but we still have to back up and do some homework, do some education, do some things before we can actually step into it. Because I don't think it's about just faking it. It's about seriously, like, what does it take for me to step into this and then allow yourself to move forward? So, you know, after a breakthrough, when somebody's got a realization of something that that they didn't know before, now all of a sudden they understand it. It's really easy to give ourselves permission, oh, yeah. quite frankly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's part of the whole process of like with story, the process of in, in looking at our stories, we get so fed up with like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm willing to give myself permission to do something different. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like as women, for some reason, I don't know why, but I feel like as women, we're always looking for that. Like, I feel like men are just more um, open to saying, "Sure, I'm going to try this new thing, and I'm just going to see." Whereas women need that sort of sense of like, "Is it is it okay? Is it all right? Is this you know?" And they need to talk to a friend, and they need that permission. And so, you know, having a coach like you, um, I'm sure, would help you know, immensely for women in particular to kind of get over these, these fears and these things that they're afraid of. So that's, that's awesome. Really quick, before we move into our impact round, I just want to, if you can just tell us really quick, when you start working with a new client in the wealth clinic, what does that process look like? What can they expect? What is the timeline that you work with clients? Is it short? Is it long? Um, And kind of just give us a high level overview of what that process looks like. Yeah. From now until when the book comes out, because I think things may shift, but I like to work with people around this money breakthrough uh, work. So it's about filling out a questionnaire. It's about diving into what I'm looking for is many of us have like a core belief system that literally we have never inspected, we don't understand how it's operating. I'm really good at bringing that to the surface. And it's like such a load, like a ton of bricks coming off. And then from that place of like shedding this sort of core belief system, and and we want to be clear, it's like a scarcity belief system Mm -hmm. that causes us to make choices around scarcity as opposed to thriving and expanding. And no matter where we're at, whether you're a billionaire or you're somebody who's struggling with money, there's probably something in there for everyone. I just want to say that because there's an idea, oh, I make plenty of money. It's like, well, it may not be money. It may be your relationship with your partner. It may be your relationship with your children. Like people come to me, not just for money. They look for some relief so that they can start to build a new life in the direction they want. And that's where I start is it's like really quick. A month of working together allows us to see, you know, that may be all that somebody needs and then going on from there. And I also do classes and things that teach people in a group setting, but one-on-one it's like, let's get in and allow us both to get to work with each other and do some deep dive work because I've found that that's just very effective. And then you also do retreats together with, with clients. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So those have been tied to the work in the Mindful Millionaire program. Typically, those are three-day retreats. I'm planning something for next fall in Hawaii. The idea is, is how can we come together as a community and smaller groups where 
we are creating um, a transformational experience. And it's so fascinating to me because somehow the perfect people show up with the perfect stories to like help each other understand what's going on and how we want to change it. And I've been doing retreats for about 15 years now, running them. And it's one of my favorite things to do. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just amazing. But I like people to have already done some of the other work. So by the time they come to a retreat, they're hitting the ground. They're like, I know what I'm here for. I know how Lisa can help me. And I know how the group can help me. So it's kind of like step two or three. <laughs> Got it. And it's not just your attendees who are having breakthroughs, right? You're having your own breakthroughs. Oh yeah. I love this work because there is always something new to uncover every single time. I'm like, oh, that's, that's what I'm learning this time. <laughs> you know, you do what you, you need the most help with. And I think I, I have had a pretty dramatic change throughout my life. And I really do enjoy stepping into my fullest presence. And the person you're seeing today is a completely different person you would have seen five years ago, 10 years ago. And I like that growth and evolution. And, and I don't expect it to stop anytime soon. Awesome. Perfect. Well, with that, shall we move into the investing for good impact round? Let's do it. All right. All right, Lisa, we're going to ask you three questions about investing for good. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, great. So first, what is the one thing you're doing right now to invest in yourself and to create a better life for yourself? So I love this question. I would have to say it's about actually working less. So for me, for right now, I've just spent three years writing a book and running a business and building a community. And so what I've come to realize is that my family would like a little more time with me. So I'm spending a couple of the last weeks of the year in Hawaii and planning to take off more time. I also do something that I think has been profound the past year and a half, I block out the last week of every month completely. And I allow that to be my creative time. You know, I don't have meetings. I don't have coaching sessions and I'm going to totally continue that because that's been profoundly powerful and it gives me much more flexibility. And I notice I'm a, I'm a nicer person <laughs> when I have that time. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. I was uh, watching a documentary about um, Bill Gates and he takes these think weeks he blocks off these weeks and he just goes away to a cabin and reads books and drinks Diet Coke for the whole week. And he says it's like CPU power. You know, a computer can't process without its CPU and same humans can't function without that time to really process. Yeah. And I do the same thing too. I do it one day a week. I don't do it on the one one full week at the end of the month, but I do try to take one day a week where I don't have a whole lot scheduled and I just try to, you know, rejuvenate and reconnect with myself with three kids running around and running a business. It gets really crazy. So to have that day off, I think is so um, important for us ladies to remember to take. So love that. Oh, yes. Give yourself permission to take a spa day. <laughs> yes. All right. Next question. What about investing in others? So what's one hack or one strategy that you can share with our audience that will make an impact in their lives? Mm -hmm. So what I was going to talk about is permission. We've dove, we've dove into that, but I'll take it one step further, which is the more I can, I feel as a role in my role as a coach 
to encourage people to claim the things that they really want in life, to pursue them relentlessly, to, you know, some of us, I feel like I've been born with a lot of tenacity, you know, where you just like stick with something. And that's one of the habits that I researched about millionaires is that the tenacity of staying with something through thick and thin is, is a superpower that I just naturally have in this lifetime, which is why I think I've achieved so much. But when I work with other people, I see that that's something that really holds them up is like sticking with it and, and being willing to fail again and again. And so whenever we can hold the space for other people to remind them that, you know, failure is going to happen when you're taking risks and, you know, what can we do to help ourselves keep going? And the other thing that I think I love is tapping. We don't have time to go through it, but like emotional freedom tapping is like a great tool. So if you're listening to this, you want to learn more and you don't know, go Google it or go onto YouTube, but there are a ton of ways of using tapping to help you realize that the stuff that you're holding onto that is keeping you from moving forward is really not that important and that you're ready to let it go and move on and claim what you want in your life. What, so what is this? Like, hi, give us like a two second <laughs> definition. Of what is tapping? I've never heard of this. Oh, it's so fun. I use it. So it's literally like tapping the body. So it's like okay. using the meridian points uh-huh. of the body. This just happens to be one of them, okay. but there's other ones like at the top of the head on the brow. And what we do is you'll take something like this morning, I was working with a client and she really wanted to do a telesummit, but the telesummit was too woo. Like it felt kind of silly. And she's like, I don't know if I can get up the nerve to do this because I'm afraid that people aren't going to take me seriously if I do this. And so what we did was it's like, although I want to do this really woo woo telesummit, I forgive myself because she was holding on to some ideas that it wasn't okay for her, but she really wanted it. And so by tapping, what if, what happens is we're moving energy bringing things into the conscious awareness of what is holding us back. Mm. And by tapping while we're saying it, we actually allow it to come full circle. And it's like, oh, is that all that's bothering me? Mm. And by the time you're done tapping, you're ready to go do what you want to do. So oh, interesting. We need to yeah. use that, Annie. Let's have yeah. a tapping session. <laughs> Definitely. We'll tap together. Definitely try that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. It's yeah. really bringing from aware, deep awareness sometimes into the physical and really, like you said, bringing it full circle. I love that. Yeah. So yes. cool. Tapping. Everybody do it. <laughs> yes. Go get ready. I've got some videos, I think, on my YouTube channel. I'll probably start doing more, but yeah, you can find it all over the place. Cool. I love it. All right. Last question. What about investing in the world? What's the one thing you're doing right now to make the world a better place? Yeah. So talking about claiming, I just recently realized that I'm claiming this mission of helping a million people elevate their financial consciousness and what we've been talking about here. So my goal is to use this work, to use my study of money over the past 30 years to help people break free of scarcity patterns, create more wealth for themselves, both inner wealth and outer wealth. And I feel like that's what I'll be doing until I take that last breath in this life. Like that's my mission. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. Elevating the collective financial consciousness. How powerful. Wow. 
All right. Well, Lisa, we've covered so much in this conversation. I am sure that people are going to want to learn more. So where can they go to learn more about you and the Wealth Clinic? Thank you. So definitely check out wealthclinic.com. If you're on Facebook and you're interested in some of these concepts that we're talking about, the other place would be to go to the Mindful Millionaire community on Facebook, be a part of that. Uh, Check out these conversations that we're having. And I think between those two resources, you'll find something that piques your interest. And I'd love to learn more about whoever's interested in this work. So reach out. Lisa Peterson, founder of The Wealth Clinic and author of the Mindful Millionaire book due out in mid-2020. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you both for having me and thank you for everyone listening. Thanks, Lisa. You've been listening to Investing for Good, the number one podcast for people like you who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com slash podcast and be sure to join the Investing for Good Facebook community. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations every week. Until next time, keep investing for good.